Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. Lots to discuss this weekend after the holiday. Bob Donaldson with me here as well. No doubt a busy summer in terms of political headlines. Boy, it certainly is. Between the rising tensions overseas, the 2020 campaign, and a lot of reaction to the president's 4th of July festivities, we'll get to it all later with our panel. But also today, we're talking about a potentially big development on the campaign trail here in Indiana. Yeah, days before Governor Holcomb launches his re-election campaign, a Democratic state senator who's also a possible candidate for governor is kicking off a statewide tour with the Republican state superintendent. Our Jessica Hayes sat down with them both this week. Dan, thank you. And here with State Senator Eddie Melton and State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Dr. Jennifer McCormick. So let me ask you both, are you surprised at how much reaction this has brought already? Well, I'm not that surprised. I think it's definitely a unique opportunity to show mm -hmm. a bipartisan effort uh, for two elected officials uh, from separate sides of the aisle to come together. So I'm not really surprised at the, at the uh, opportunity that has uh, brought forth. I am excited. Uh, for what's going to happen and take place in the conversations that are going to come from this collaboration. And what about you, Dr. McCormick? Yeah, it's been overwhelming. It's It's been exciting to see that people are finally saying that it's a welcomed way to operate. People say it's long overdue, so we're getting all kinds of positive opinions and feedback, and so that's what we're looking for, just to make sure that we're hearing the voice of the people, and so the response has been great. And as you tour the state this week to talk about schools this coming week, I should say, what do you want to see done differently when it comes to education policy in our state? Dr. McCormick, we'll start with you. Yeah, so from the very, very beginning, and Senator Melton's been a great partner with this, we are always talking about access, opportunity, and really that equitable piece to make sure students and educators have what they need, including resources and quality teachers, educators, mm -hmm. to make sure that we can get the work done that needs to be done for the state of Indiana. So, and like I said, Senator Melton's always been a part of that since the very beginning and making sure that we're having those conversations. And what about you, Senator Melton? Well, I've already been traveling the state since I made the announcement uh, on June 4th, and I've had the opportunity to talk to various stakeholders, and the number one concern has been education thus mm -hmm. far from across the state. I've already been a champion for teacher pay. Uh, Indiana has one of the slowest growth in teacher salaries across the entire state, and that's something that we really need to address in terms of our teachers that are working two and three jobs just to make ends meet in their households. So that's one of those key issues that the, the state of Indiana needs to lead in. And Dr. McCormick, could you respond to this statement from the GOP chairman <laughs> this week? He said you were, quote, auditioning for a new job, uh, perhaps as a running mate on the Democratic ticket. And he also said this begs the question whether Jennifer McCormick is still a Republican. So what's your response to that? Are you still a Republican? Would you consider running on the Democratic ticket? So what I would say to that is really I think the comment was out of line and it really doesn't require a, a response from me. And if an audition means that I'm advocating for kids and I'm listening to stakeholders, then I've been auditioning for over two decades and so far it's worked out pretty well for me. So I'm just excited about this opportunity to listen to the communities. And Senator Melton, um, if you are the party's nominee, would you consider Dr. McCormick as a running mate? Well, I think it's a lot uh, premature right now mm -hmm. to have a conversation such as that. Uh, at this point, I haven't made a full decision mm -hmm. to run. Uh, this is still an exploratory phase, but number one, having a conversation about education, education should be a nonpartisan issue. And that's one of the reasons why I reached out to Dr. McCormick to see if we can have this conversation across the state. All right, Senator Melton, Dr. McCormick, thank you so thank much you. for your time and coming to talk with us today. Thank you. All right, Dan, back to you. 
Jessica, thanks. The tour starts tomorrow in northwestern Indiana. They'll be in Indianapolis on Thursday. This past week, several new state laws took effect, including the state's new hate crime law. But does it truly get Indiana off the list of states without hate crime protections? As our Kayla Sullivan shows us now, that depends on who you ask. In June alone, Pride Month. We have seen six transgender women of color murdered in this country. Katie Blair with the ACLU of Indiana says transgender people should have been listed in the state's new hate crime law, but they weren't. Which is unfortunate because we know that transgender people are most affected by violence in our communities. It's one reason the Anti-Defamation League refuses to take Indiana off the list of states without a hate crime law. We're listed as not protected on the ADL website. But the United States Department of Justice gave the state credit for its new law. Even if a specific category... Former is Indiana Supreme Court Justice Frank Sullivan says just because transgender people aren't listed in the legislation does not mean they aren't protected by it. That's not to say that it wouldn't be good for Indiana law uh, to have uh, in it uh, language that lists persons who are transgender. But it is to say anyone who thinks they can get away with hate crimes against transgender people are wrong. You are subject to getting every bit as severe a sentence, every bit as much time as if your target was in the category in the bill. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb said in part, quote, criminals who attempt to instill fear by attacking others based, for example, on who someone loves, who they are, how they identify, how they pray, should know their sentences can, and I believe should, be enhanced to the fullest extent of the law, end quote. Blair says this law is just one more example of how much more education needs to be done. Transgender Hoosiers are Hoosiers just like them. Kayla Sullivan, Fox 59 News. Kayla, thank you. In Washington this week, a lot of talk revolving around the president's 4th of July celebration called A Salute to America. Meantime, South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg and other presidential candidates spent the 4th of July out on the campaign trail where Mayor Pete was asked about the president's handling of the situation along the border and the condition inside those immigration detention centers. Yeah, maybe he ought to go sleep in one of those detention centers and then tell us about what, how great the conditions are. Those comments certainly making some headlines this week as Dan joins us now with more news from the campaign trail. Dan? All right, also in the race for president, Mayor Pete Buttigieg posting some big fundraising numbers this past week. We also learned he will soon be here in Indianapolis later this month. This week, the Young Democrats of America announced the mayor would be headlining their annual convention being held here in Indy this year. And right now I'm joined by Keith Potts, vice chair of the National Planning Committee for YDA. How big of a deal is this to have a top-tier top candidate like Mayor Pete Buttigieg coming here for this event a couple weeks from now? We're incredibly excited to welcome Mayor Pete to the YDA convention as a young mayor in Indiana and a top-tier presidential candidate. He's really captured the, the galvanized energy that we're seeing across this country, and we're incredibly excited to have him join us. You said your group does not specifically make endorsements, but obviously he's someone talking a lot about generational issues. I imagine a lot of the young Democrats in your organization are excited to hear from him. Surprised to hear someone uh, of his age just outraised a, a former vice president who obviously 
uh, is much older, much more experienced. He's speaking to a generation of folks who just eligibility-wise are new to presidential politics. Our generation uh, between Gen Z and millennials were now the biggest voting bloc in the country at 37% of eligible voters. And uh, I think we're seeing him harnessing that momentum. Is this the kind of event where we might see other presidential candidates perhaps as well? We have some other exciting speakers that we'll be announcing uh, in the next uh, few days coming up before the convention, yes. No word on that officially yet. We'll, we'll be watching. Stay tuned. All right. Uh, what kind of a coup is this generally to bring this kind of an event to a red state like Indiana, where Democrats have not always been successful on the ballot. Absolutely. We've seen a lot of growth in our Indiana Young Democrats organization. In 2017 alone, we saw a five times increase in our membership, as well as re uh, representation in our county chapters go from eight to more than 20 counties in the state. And we thought moving forward into our 2019 elections that we have this year with a lot of young Democratic candidates on the ballot in Indiana and going into 2020, we wanted to harness that momentum, bring it right here uh, at home in the heartland for an organization that has over 150 thousand members throughout the country. Part of a broader strategy here to t try and compete in parts of the country where Democrats have not historically been as successful? Yes, and we have some great partners who are joining us who uh, work to do just that. A great example is the group Run for Something who supports young candidates throughout the country. Uh, more broadly though, young voters, mm -hmm. generally speaking, did not show up to the polls in great numbers in 2016. Not as great of numbers as, as perhaps you would have liked. How crucial a role will they actually play in next year's election? Young voters in this country will determine who the next president is. And that's whether they don't show up to vote or whether they do. And I think it's an incredibly important uh, responsibility that we have and one that I think we ought to take super seriously. And that's why uh, we're incredibly proud to host the convention this year. Indianapolis will be uh, in the spotlight. No doubt we'll be hearing from you more here in the next couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Keep Absolutely. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Thanks for having so us. Much. Up next this Sunday in Focus, what are the polls saying about Mayor Pete 2020? And how did the first Democratic debate change the race for president? Bob will ask the panel about that coming up next. This July 4th, we pay special tribute to the military service members who laid down their lives for our nation. It was called a salute to America, but the military presence at the president's 4th of July celebration also brought some political reaction throughout the week. Let's bring in our panel now. Former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy, Democratic strategist Lara Beck. A lot to talk about this holiday weekend, about America's role in the world in these divided political times. Let's talk about uh, the president's event. Mike, was this really a campaign event in, in everything but name? Well, any time the president is involved in any event, it's really a campaign event. I don't care where he travels in the United States or around the world. People are watching him and they're making judgments on whether they're going to vote for him again or not. So every event's a campaign event. Um, it's unusual uh, to have a, a uh, tribute to the military. It was done, obviously, after the Civil War. I think it was done um, after the first Gulf War, a little bit more scaled-down version than this. Um, but the fact that the Pentagon wasn't even excited about this tends to throw this more into the political realm than into uh, the honor of the military realm. Larry, at the very least, it's been very, very rare for a president to do anything like this. I mean, is it politicizing what uh, had been uh, a national holiday that's bipartisan, that's for all of America, not a, not a specific party? Well, 
what was kind of interesting about this is that it was really, um, <clears throat> excuse me, all about Donald Trump. Um, it was really less, I think, about um, the country and, and patriotism. And frankly, um, in the speech itself, there were several historic errors. I mean, he was talking about the airports um, during the Revolutionary War. Um, that might have just been a slip of the tongue. But still, um, you know, it shows that liberal arts are valued and important. I was really surprised that... Um, given the job numbers that came out on Friday for him, that he didn't just take the 4th of July weekend off and then mm -hmm. revel in that as yeah. opposed to make himself the center of this sort of fiasco. And then um, all that's overshadowing the positive economic news that's coming out. So it's despite himself almost, he continually just steps on his own um, accomplishments. Yeah, I, but I do think I remember when Washington was crossing the Delaware, he was in that boat and saying, "Take that airport." <laughs> that was, take the ramparts, take the airports as well. I was a little. I mean, I was a little confused. But is, is this the kind of thing that we're going to be hearing about as he goes out on the campaign trail? Is he going to be talking about how he was able to bring the country together for this wonderful event? You know, there's always a difference between what people write for him and what he says also. Sure. So That's you true. just you just can't predict anything. And the guy is a he's a reality show host. I mean it's like Bob Barker or, you know, the guy at the the uh, Jeopardy. I mean there he is trained and he's been successful as a medicine man, medicine yeah. show man. Yeah. It's 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 just I think it it's unfor it's an unfortunate distraction, but the benefit for him is that most people weren't paying attention. Um, if you were on Twitter all day on 4th of July, then of course you were seeing it. But mm -hmm. if you were out living your life and hanging out of the pool or celebrating working, the celebrating the 4th of July, working yeah. at your job, um, you, you really weren't paying much, of much attention to it. All right, let's talk about the race for, uh, for president right now. Some shifting poll numbers after the, uh, the first Democratic presidential debates. Mayor Pete Buttigieg brought in more money last quarter than Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. He has not gained so much ground in the polls, though, since the, uh, the debate. In fact, slipping a few points as well. At the top, let's take a look. Joe Biden now in a statistical dead heat with Senator Kamala Harris in the latest poll, uh, followed by Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Buttigieg in fifth um, at 4% uh, compared to 8% uh, this time uh, with this same poll a month ago. So what do we infer from all of this? I mean, Biden didn't have the best debate. That's pretty, uh, pretty much agreed upon. Kamala Harris was the star of that particular night. Is it the kind of thing that's going to resonate as we move forward? Well, I think it's very early for particularly these big national polls. But if you look at another poll that came out just three days or so ago in Iowa, Buttigieg is moving up. He's at 10% in Iowa. Um, Warren is in first place in Iowa. Harris has moved into second place in Iowa. And Biden's dropped back to third in Iowa with, I think, Sanders maybe in fourth. Yeah. I can't remember. But anyhow, so the point is there is movement because of that first debate in the, in the, mm -hmm. the first state. And that's important because from Iowa we'll go to you know, Nevada, South Carolina, New Hampshire, all those other ones as well. Yeah, I, I think the polls, especially, again, I, I agree with Mike on these big national polls. And we, always, we also have to remember a poll is but a snapshot in time. Um, and there can be a million other things happening in the world that people are taking into account when they're, when they're answering the poll questions. Um, what really stands out here, though, is 
Buttigieg numbers. I mean, when you think about the 24 million that he surpassed these other candidates, he really had a flawless rollout. His rollout went superbly well. And one of the big questions is, can he continue to build on that? Will he have enough staff? Will he be able to ramp up? And I think these numbers really show he's a serious contender. And if you're considering making an investment in his campaign, which big level donors do at that mm -hmm. level, He's really going to be attractive to you, especially after Joe Biden faltered. Well, if he does, so if he is successful in getting some of those bigger donors, yeah. I mean, then he's playing on the turf that Joe Biden has really yeah. dominated yeah, because Joe, Joe Biden depends yeah. on those big money yeah. donors yeah. Uh, for his campaign. But there's two other things that are happening here. And I think his uh, Buttigieg's role has been good, not flawless. But if you look at the, the what I call the Democratic Circular Firing Squad, it's continuing. Uh, Kamala Harris's <laughs> old boyfriend, Willie Brown, came out and trashed her this past week, okay? The New Yorker came to South Bend and did the reporting that the South Bend Tribune should have been doing about how uh, Buttigieg has handled the homeless question in South Bend. There was national experts said that he's not, there's no leadership in South Bend on the homeless. I, I that stuff how, Indiana media should have been doing. I, I love how you, uh, I love how you like to just go right to the Democrats instead of talking about your guy. Um, okay. I mean, you know, we our can guy, talk about I, your guy okay, anytime we'll talk you about want. our guy. But I, going back with, um, going back with Buttigieg and, and Again, we're at this point where it is really early. I mean, I think it's for, I mean, it's even too early for me, frankly. I feel like watching a debate in June of 2019 is, is a little too much. So as he is continuing, though, to gain, gain ground and gain momentum, um, that fundraising number, to me, is much more important than a national poll. Kamala Harris is not letting the busing issue go, the, the, the big point that she mm -hmm. made in that second debate. And it is something that, uh, that Joe Biden hasn't really addressed, at least to her satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Is that the kind of thing that, that's going to continue in this campaign where you have the two Demo you have Democratic candidates going after each other? I like think this? you will. I think you definitely will. Because what is it's it's to me it's less about the busing issue and it's more about a generational issue. You have Joe Biden who is kind of almost in a Hillary Clinton-ish way, um, mm. coming in, waiting for the coronation. Um, and you have younger people who are younger by 30 years um, mm -hmm. or 20 years saying, wait a minute, no, you're not in touch with what I went through or what the rest of the country went through. So I think that's part of this process, which is important, because we don't want this to happen a year from now, where these topics are coming and out. Biden made a good point after the debate. He said it's easy for Harris to use a couple 30-second sound bites to attack a mm -hmm. career that's been dedicated to civil rights for you know, 40, 50 years. But that was staff preparation problem, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I think they, it's incumbent upon them to help him recover about that. He but should you, have known. He shouldn't have known that question was coming. Yeah, but you yeah. mentioned we haven't talked about Trump. We'll talk about Trump. So Buttigieg brings in $24 million and a quarter. That's impressive. A couple million dollars more than Biden. In that same period, Trump brings over in over a hundred million dollars. So right. well, he's a we just talked about. If he Trump. doesn't, well, he, he should have that coming. Uh, I don't want to finish without talking about some local issues. Let's talk about that big news making waves in the race for governor of Indiana. Potential Democratic candidate Eddie Melton kicking off a statewide tour tomorrow with the Republican State Superintendent Jennifer McCormick. The news prompting this statement 
from GOP Chair Carl Humphrey last week who said, quote, the announcement seems to confirm the rumors of the last few weeks that Jennifer McCormick is auditioning for a new job, including as the lieutenant governor nominee on the Democratic ticket. It begs the question whether Jennifer McCormick is still a Republican. Okay, what do we make of all this? Well, first of all, Jennifer McCormick is, uh, was, is a good educator. She was a good educator. She got caught up in the politics. She clearly did not understand what she was getting into when she became a state office holder and has had trouble getting her feet underneath herself the entire time. She has not made friends in the Republican Party. The Democrats won't like her either because nobody likes a traitor. And so she will be in this never-never land of not trusted by the Republicans and not trusted by the Democrats if she does go for something like that. And the Democratic ticket in 2020 is a, is a ticket that's just going to be riding off the edge of the cliff anyhow. So it doesn't matter who's on the ticket. Well, Holcomb's going to win. Not to, not to interrupt you um, on, your, on your treatise here, but um, I, I think the boys in the Republican Party just need to calm down. I mean, really. I mean, picking a fight and bullying Jennifer McCormick, it's not a smart way to go. I mean, this is simply a state senator and a former state Board of Ed um, member and the state superintendent of education going on a listening tour. And for them to overreact like this just draws more attention to the fact that they've dropped the ball on education. People really like her and they like her on both sides of the aisle and all across the state you have legislators who will hold community meetings together. You have council members who do that. So I, for them to overreact like this was really a, a misfire on their part. We're going to leave it at that. All of this coming just days before the, uh, the governor makes his announcement. Well, let's stick around. We'll have much more coming up right after this. Nationwide protests this past week calling for the closing of immigration detention centers. Close the camps is a movement to protest in front of congressional offices around the country. Tuesday, these protesters gathered outside the Indianapolis office of Indiana Senator Todd Young. Also today at the intersection of politics and sports, so many people will be watching Team USA in the Women's World Cup Final. The team's star player, Megan Rapinoe, was injured in the semifinal round and did not play, but she's also caught the attention of President Trump after saying in colorful language that she wouldn't visit the White House if they won the World Cup. The president fired back on Twitter and many of Megan's teammates came to her defense. You know, she stands up for what she believes in and she, she speaks out about that and I think that, um, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's brave of her to, to speak her mind and to stand up for what she feels is right, stand up for what she believes in, and I have a lot of respect for her. Stick around. Bob and the panel are back to wrap things up right after this. Just a few seconds left for this week's winners and losers, Lara. Um, my winner is Pete Buttigieg for his fundraising hall. My loser is Donald Trump for not paying more attention in history class. I have to agree with her on Donald Trump, the poor history speech. Also, the other loser has to be the Clark County judge indicted by a Marion County grand jury this past week. Thank you both for joining us Thank on you. this holiday Thanks weekend. For Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next Sunday on In Focus. <laughs>